special edition of We Might Talk Sports. This is our NBA preview episode. I'm your co-host, Matthew Carter. And before I continue, let's introduce the host of the show, KJ. What is happening, my brother? I am good, man. Just relaxing, enjoying uh, a quiet day working from home. I'm looking forward to talking about the NBA season. I won't lie. I'm very excited about doing this preview episode of the NBA. I haven't been this excited about the NBA in a very long time. As you guys know, I'm a Bulls fan, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But I'm very excited about this. There's been some changes, but this should be a very fun, wide open NBA season. And as we start off this NBA preview episode we have to talk about last year which is the Milwaukee Bucks they won the NBA championship Giannis was finals MVP and a very fun exciting NBA finals the Bucks are the defending champions the Phoenix Suns they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks and it was a very fun playoffs these were the first NBA playoffs we had in over a year where fans were at the games and it clearly created an atmosphere that you could not get in the bubble from two seasons ago very fun NBA playoffs, though, but the Milwaukee Bucks won. We saw the Brooklyn Nets take Milwaukee to seven games. We saw the emergence of the Atlanta Hawks. We saw the LA Lakers, who were the defending NBA champions, lose in the first round to the Phoenix Suns. The Philadelphia 76ers kind of implode, and we'll talk about them later as well. But we saw the Sixers kind of implode in the playoffs and them not live up to the expectations. In the Western Conference, we saw the Clippers finally reach the West. Western Conference Finals, but we also saw an injured Kawhi Leonard, and that kind of derailed the Clippers' hopes of actually reaching the NBA Finals. Really very fun, exciting basketball. A lot of young talent, a lot of veteran talent. And I know everybody's dealing with a lot as far as COVID and the pandemic, but I can honestly say as an NBA fan, it was one of the more exciting NBA playoffs that we actually witnessed. So covering both conferences, we talked about the East, we talked about the West of last season. So going into the offseason, and I want to get your opinion on this and your thoughts, what has been the most impactful moves that you've seen from each conference? We've seen some trade we've seen some big time moves from big organizations and we've seen some guys stay put so what would you say are the big moves of the offseason leading into this NBA season so far I think if we start in the Eastern Conference um, you just look at the way the Miami Heat retooled you know they had Kyle Lowry and that's big for them, you know, just to make them even more uh, imposing defensively. They also had P.J. Tucker, and I think that that was good. They, their roster that made the finals in the bubble was good, but they got a lot of emergence in the playoffs from young players. And Tyler Hero, who is saying a lot of wild things right now, he wants to be mentioned with Trey Young and some of the other elite young players in the league, which is insane to me. But he is a good player. But he he took a step back last year. There's no way around that. Um, Bam Adebayo didn't take a step back, but he also didn't take a step forward. Duncan Robinson is the only one of that young core that actually took a step forward last year. So I think putting a guy like Lowry in there, adding P.J. Tucker, it helps. And I expect the Heat to maybe not be an upper echelon contender. But, you know, you never know how a season can break. They'll be in the mix. Um, the Knicks are adding Evan Fournier and Kimba Walker was interesting to me because I think that with the topsy-turvy nature of how the season went last year, the Knicks just played well. They were very consistent, um, really good regular season team. They got performances from guys that are career journeymen that was a little bit above what we would expect. But now they're adding some offensive firepower. Kimba didn't play bad last year when he was uh, healthy off of his injury. 
but he still wasn't the guy that we expected. And he said that, you know, he wasn't 100%. He expects to be closer to 100% this year. Evan Fournier has never played on a good team, but he's been a guy who has been a versatile offensive player and will give them the type of offensive versatility. And I think the Knicks are a team that in the regular season, they'll continue to be consistent. But I really want to see how those moves look as we get into playoff time. And also to see, I think they're, and we'll talk about other storylines later on in the episode, but they're a team I think that can make a, a big move at the trade deadline if one of these um, these disgruntled superstars becomes available. Um, Chicago, you know, them adding DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso to a core that, you know, was, was not bad, but just trying to find themselves. Zach Levine took a step forward last year, and he's proven to be one of the better players in the league. You get a guy like Lonzo, who's a top-notch defensive player and one of the, the better playmakers in the league, DeMar DeRozan, while, you know, not a great shooter, is still a guy that can score and can give them some roster versatility being able to play either the two or the three. Um, and I think that was a big move for them. And I know a lot of the the hipster media in basketball, which we have a lot of basketball hipster media, they don't like the moves that the Bulls have made this offseason. But I, I do believe that this is going to be the type of move that firmly places them uh, in the playoff picture. Uh, out West, you know, the Lakers add Russell Westbrook. And I know that's another move that's not popular amongst the hipster basketball media. But, you know, when you look at, the versatility that he adds to the team as far as their playmaking is concerned. And when you see how the Lakers were, you know, completely devoid of playmaking outside of LeBron James last year, you can understand why they went for this. Now, Westbrook is not a shooter. We know that. No need to beat that dead horse. And they're going to need him to be a better shooter. Um, he has never lived up to his, his potential defensively. I mean, he can be passable defensively in spurts, but they're going to need him to be more consistent defensively. But the guy is productive and he is a facilitator. He is a guy that can get his own shot and he's a guy that can open up the offense in different ways. And I think if Vogel staggers, staggers the minutes between him and LeBron, um, the Lakers are going to be entrenched, you know, in that championship contender mix. And I think they should be the favorites to come out the West. You know, to me also in the West, it's just interesting to see how other teams stay pat. You know, I, I was expecting for uh, Utah to do a little bit more. I mean, I know that they needed to re-sign Conley and that was a good move for them, but I thought that they would do a little bit more to add shooting. Um, you know, Denver, uh, they're, they're still trying to deal with the Jamal Murray injury. So, you know, for them, they added some depth to their roster, but nothing that without Jamal Murray is going to make you feel like they're going to be in the mix to contend. The Clippers are going to be without Kawhi more than likely for the year. So, you know, they're just there to tread water and it's going to be interesting to see how Paul George is uh, going to emerge as the lead dog. But I was really hoping that Phoenix would do something um, to add to their roster. They add JaVale McGee, which is good for them. But I didn't think that they added enough because I feel like they're not your typical team that makes the finals and then you feel like, oh yeah, they'll be back. I think Phoenix is a good team. They'll be a good regular season team. But I don't think that they should be considered one of the five you know, top championship contenders. So, you know, that that's the overview for me in the West. You know, Golden State is in position to make a move also if somebody becomes available for trade. I think that they're a team to watch. Sacramento can either be a buyer or a seller, and that's going to be interesting because they're offseason. They added another guard in the draft. 
We know that they love guards for some reason. The offseason felt a little incomplete because there were a lot of big moves, but teams that we felt could make more moves didn't. And I think because of that, we're going to see more activity during the season than we normally would. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, Looking in the Eastern Conference, if you look at a, and we'll start off with the defending champions with the Milwaukee Bucks. I didn't think they were going to win the NBA Finals, but they did win the NBA Finals. And after game one, Giannis really showed why he is the MVP and why he is so dominant. And I think in an era of basketball where everybody is obsessed with analytics and obsessed with jump shooting, he showed that you can be dominant without being a necessarily prolific jump shooter. And if you look at the roster, yes, they lost PJ Tucker, but they did bring back Bobby Portis, who was very big for them. Uh, another year with Drew Holiday, uh, he gets more ingrained with the organization, but I don't know if they repeat as Eastern Conference champions because a lot of things broke their way. They didn't have to play the 76ers. Um, and the 76ers had a lot of issues, and I'll talk about them in a couple seconds. But I think the Sixers would have given them a much more difficult time in the Eastern Conference than the Atlanta Hawks did. I think the Hawks overachieved last year, but the Hawks, you know, you play who you have to play and Milwaukee defeated Atlanta. But I think that Milwaukee is going to have a tougher time this season. Uh, But they have Giannis. And when you have Giannis, you have a more than a fighting chance against anybody in the NBA. The 76ers, I really thought that Ben Simmons was going to be traded. And I thought that you would be looking at a different Sixers organization. But as of right now, Ben Simmons is still on the roster. I hope he has thick skin. I really hope that he can do deal with the booze and deal with some of the things that are going to be coming from that crowd. He's going to need it because he's going to need it. And a hostile Philadelphia crowd is unlike anything he has ever experienced anywhere he has ever played. I know he has, you know, played role games before. I know there's been playoff games, but what he's going to deal with on a nightly basis from the home crowd, I hope he can handle that because that is not for the weak minded. So the Sixers are going to be interesting to see how that works. Uh, This situation kind of reminds me of the Jimmy Butler situation, not frame for frame, but Minnesota thought that Jimmy Butler would be able to play with the team and they realized after two games that this was not going to work so we'll see how long this Ben Simmons situation lasts with the Sixers but I don't expect for him to finish the season with the Sixers I like what the Miami Heat have done to kind of follow up what you were saying they bring in Kyle Lowry they bring in PJ Tucker they bring in Markeith Morris these are all veterans to kind of add to the team I saw what you were talking about with Tyler Hero I have no idea what's going on what he's thinking about, but my man got to chill because he ain't that dude. He ain't built that way. Nice, good young player, but he's not built in that level. So you might want to chill on some of those comments. I like what the New York Knicks have done. I didn't mention them in talking about the overview of last year, but the Knicks had an incredible season and it was nice to see the garden rocking again and they added pieces to their team. So can they follow up on a great season that they had last year? A great year by Julius Randle. Um, The Chicago Bulls. Yes, I'm going to talk about the Bulls on this preview episode. Very excited about the moves that they made. I know some people aren't excited or they didn't really add a lot of shooting. But if you see what they've done in these few preseason games, they're going to be exciting. They're going to be entertaining. And when you have been as bad as they are and when you add the pieces that they add, are they going to win the championship? No, but people have to stop acting like because they added somebody that you don't necessarily like that these are bad moves. You don't have to like a player in order for a move to be good for an organization. These have been good moves for Chicago. 
Chicago. I think another interesting team that I don't know if they necessarily make the playoffs this year, but they made a lot of strides last year, which was the Charlotte Hornets and seeing how LaMelo continues to develop because he impressed a lot of people last year and he's looked even better going into preseason this year. So how LaMelo continues to grow and develop, I think will be a very interesting thing. The Atlanta Hawks, as I said, they overachieved last year. Everybody is expecting great things from them this year. Keeping John Collins was a big, big move for that team. And I think the Hawks can be, if they're healthy, I think they can cause some more upsets in the Eastern Conference. They're a very good young team coached by Nate McMillan. So I think the Hawks are somebody to pay attention to. Out West, we have to start with the Lakers. Uh, The Lakers added Russell Westbrook. For those of you that are not from the Los Angeles area, to have an LA native play for the Lakers, it does something to the city. Um, So there's a lot of excitement going into this city, but there's also a lot of pressure because the Lakers have had a crazy offseason and they've overturned the roster. And as crazy as this sounds, LeBron James is the longest tenure Laker right now. So it's a lot of new faces, a lot of veterans, a lot of exciting faces. But to see what the Lakers are going to do, they have LeBron, they have Davis, they have Westbrook. So how is that nucleus going to click? The Phoenix Suns, I agree with you. I don't think they added enough to their roster. They benefited from playing some teams with some injuries. Uh, Denver had some injuries. The Clippers had some injuries. So I think they benefited from those situations. I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat as Western Conference champions. So I think Phoenix is somebody to pay attention to. Uh, Denver is a team to pay attention to. They signed Michael Porter Jr. to a very large contract. So they're all in with him. And if the group can stay healthy of Jokic, Murray, Porter, and Aaron Gordon for a full season, what that nucleus would do and how Denver does in the Western Conference. I think Utah is very interesting because last year was a bit of a disappointment for them. I think they expected to go further in the playoffs than they did. And the way that they lost to the Clippers in the playoffs, um, a lot of people feel that that was a disappointment. So what will the Utah Jazz do? What will they be able to bring to the table? I think Portland's a very interesting team because they've made the playoffs the past seven years, but they haven't really done much except for that one year where they got to the Western Conference Finals. So they have a new head coach. They did not trade Damian Lillard. He's still there. So it'll be interesting to see what Portland does with a new head coach. And they still have Dane. They still have CJ. So what happens with that organization and how they do things? The Clippers are very interesting because, as you say, Kawhi is going to miss a significant amount of time. So what does Paul George do now that he's the guy? Does he still wear braids, you know, to try to match Kawhi? Like, what does Paul George actually do? It's been weird. I've been watching some of their preseason games. I don't know if it's a team unity thing. Everybody has braids. I don't know if that brings them closer together. It's kind of weird. Um, The development of Terrence Mann, though, in all seriousness, he had a breakout playoff last year, and he's looked good in the preseason. So can he take that next step? Because they're going to need him this season. So the Clippers will be very interesting. But this is, honestly, I'll be very honest with you, this is a very, and I don't know how I missed the Brooklyn Nets, um, talking about the Eastern Conference to switch back really quick. Brooklyn has a lot of talent, man. They really do. And they are a team and, you know, we mentioned the Kyrie situation. They are a team that can cause a lot of problems in the Eastern Conference. And Kevin Durant showed last year, and especially in the playoffs, he's still Kevin effing Durant. And 
he can beat anybody in a single game. And if you add Kevin Durant and James Harden, they already have their chemistry locked down. So Brooklyn is going to cause a lot of noise in the Eastern Conference. And I expect for them to have one of the best records in the NBA. And just for me, forgetting Brooklyn just shows you how many interesting storylines there are going into this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the depth of the league has increased. And we had talked about when we did our playoff wrap up you know, after the Bucks won the finals was that this was like a representation of a changing of the guard during the playoffs. You know, we saw an emerging Hawks team. We saw, you know, Phoenix, even though Chris Paul is a veteran, that team was still powered by a lot of their younger players. We saw, you know, the, um, the Denver Nuggets make their push. And then we saw some of the teams that we've been relying on, you know, namely the Lakers and, you know, anything LeBron James related have to take a step back. Now, the thing is, LeBron is with the Lakers. The Lakers are one of the more competitive franchises in the NBA. And I don't mean that as far as like, you know, them in their roster, but I'm talking about from an ownership standpoint and the pressure that they have in the city to compete. I mean, you and I both grew up in the LA area and we know that when the Lakers have a disappointing year, you know, you just feel like the whole weight on the city. Um, you know, the whole time that they had that, the end of the Kobe Bryant era when they weren't really good into when LeBron came and even his first year when they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, we weren't good and the city wasn't good, but it wasn't like for a lack of trying. It wasn't that the pressure still wasn't being applied. Um, and it wasn't as if the organization didn't realize that they needed to step up. And I think that was the response that they had in the offseason. And we'll see if Russell Westbrook works out. You know, they, they're going to have a real reckoning um, because they had a choice between him or Buddy Hield, And they chose Westbrook over Hield. Obviously a better player than Hield overall, but everything about basketball is fit. And Hield is one of the better shooters that we've seen. I mean, this guy shoots almost 45% from three for the last couple of seasons. And that will look good on this team right now. You know, there's going to be that internal pressure, but you just see these teams reload. You know, Brooklyn's not a young team, but they added, you know, they added more pieces to their core of, you know, late 20s, early 30s plus guys that are trying to win their ring as well. Um, you know, seeing how Golden State reemerges. The league is in a really good spot right now. And it's unfortunate that the talk of vaccines and who's not vaccinated, uh, the players, you know, talking about their stances on vaccines, no matter how you feel about it. It's unfortunate that that's kind of taken the front page news you know, as far as the media is concerned, because they love controversy. But when you actually get down to the nuts and bolts of the games, this is a league that's in a really good place. And I expect a really high level of ball to be played this year. It's, um, you know, we didn't mention Luka. We didn't mention Jason Tatum. There are a lot of talented young guys in the NBA and the future is now. And the NBA is, as you highlighted, they're in a very good spot. There should be a lot of intriguing games, but this is a very exciting time for the NBA and for NBA fans. So basketball is back in full swing and there's a lot to pay attention to. Rather your team is good or rather your team is not good. There's still a lot of storylines, a lot of drama, a lot of interesting basketball schematics going on. So there's a lot of intriguing things that are going on. So let me ask you this question. We talked about the most impactful moves in the offseason we covered last season. Who do you favor coming out of the West? Who do you favor coming out of the East? Who are who are dark horses that fans should pay attention to? I favor Brooklyn to come out of the East um, with or without Kyrie Irving. I think that just the depth of that roster is insane. Um, they've been able to add a lot of front court depth, even though they let go of DeAndre Jordan. 
You know, they were able to get LaMarcus Aldridge to come back. Claxton played really well last year. Blake Griffin played well for them. And then Millsap's going to be able to get minutes for them there too. But I like the fact that even with a guy like Cam Thomas, who they drafted from LSU, you know, kid can score. I loved him in in college. And I knew that he was going to be a steal for them when they got him in the late first round. And you talk about, it's interesting that, you know, people focus on what they focus on. And it might sound crazy that I'm bringing up a rookie when you talk about a team that's full of so many, you know, former all-stars and future Hall of Famers. But just talking about the roster versatility, James Harden already kind of being a de facto point guard for them. You put a guy like Cam Thomas out there who has veterans conducting the offense like Durant, Harden, even if Kyrie doesn't end up playing for him this year. Those are the type of spots that you, that that rookies can thrive in and play a role. But I think that they've been able to build enough depth in the front court, which is what our concern for them was last year. And then adding Patty Mills also uh, with or without Kyrie is, is a big plus for them as far as their bench depth is concerned. Um, so I think Brooklyn should be able to come through. I think Milwaukee would be in the mix, but I mean, I don't want to go in on Milwaukee. We we went over that a lot during the playoffs, but they're just not a very smart or efficient team. Uh, they win on effort and just Giannis being great, but just a lot of bonehead stuff that goes on. And I just feel like in a condensed season where teams are getting, um, trying to get acclimated to the new COVID protocols and, and guys are missing chunks of, of the season and chunks of the playoffs and all the rest of it. I think you can get away with it in those type of weird, you know, circumstances. But I think that in a circumstance where things get back to normal, I'm going to favor the more efficient high IQ basketball teams. So I, I would say that they would be there. Miami would be in that mix, depending on what happens with Philly and Simmons and what they get back in return, if they trade him or if they don't trade him, how he's able to mesh. I mean, you would put them maybe towards the top of the second tier contenders, but I'm really intrigued by Atlanta this year. Um, you know, I, I talked about them during the playoffs, saying their praises, they have a lot of depth. Um, you know, Trey Young emerged, John Collins emerged, but you know, they get DeAndre Hunter back this year. Cam Reddish came back, you know, towards the playoffs. I think it was in the second round he came back. Those are really athletic, versatile wings. Uh, Kevin Horder emerged last year. Emeka Kongu, you know, coming off the bench, giving them depth there. You know, Capella. This is a really deep team who's a well-coached team. And I think that Atlanta can take another step forward this year, especially if some of the things around them in the East with Philadelphia and with Brooklyn and, you know, just some of the other uncertainty in the East, if those things continue to trend in, a, in an awkward way, Atlanta could be the team that that stands out and, and makes another leap. Yeah, I would say in the Eastern Conference, I would favor Brooklyn. I think the East is going to be similar to what it was last year. I think it's going to be a dogfight once you get into the second round and the conference finals. Brooklyn has a lot of firepower. We know about Kevin Durant. We know about James Harden. As you said, they added Patty Mills, adding Paul Millsap. Marcus Aldridge has been clear for health. Blake Griffin shown the most athleticism I've seen him show in about four years. He can jump, which helps him out a lot. I didn't know he could jump anymore. I thought those days were over. Uh, Claxton <laughs> played very well for them last year. They lost DeAndre Jordan. But, you know, let's be honest, DeAndre Jordan didn't look like he was interested in playing basketball in Brooklyn. So we'll see how he works out with the Lakers. But Brooklyn has a lot of firepower. And 
with or without Kyrie, they're going to be a tough out. They really are going to be a tough out. When you look at the Miami Heat, they are a team, I think, losing in the first round to Milwaukee. And not just losing, like they got embarrassed in the first round. They got swept and it's never a good look to get swept. I think Pat Riley realized he needed to add some more veteran leadership to the team besides Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam and adding Markeith Morris, adding P.J. Tucker, adding Kyle Lowry, that gives them some good playmakers, but also some toughness. And hopefully Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Bam can take those next steps. And you're looking at a very dangerous Miami team. And they're another team that if they can stay healthy, I think Miami can give some people some problems in the Eastern Conference. If you look at the Atlanta Hawks, they're a very interesting team is because, you know, everybody knows Trey Young. Everybody knows John Collins. You know, basketball nerds know Clint Capella. But they have a lot of good young talent that really developed last year and really took some strides. And as you said, they are adding some even more guys coming back from injury. I like the draft pick, even though he was a second round pick of Sharif Cooper from Auburn. I think Atlanta is a team that if you sleep on them like a lot of teams did last year, they can pull some more upsets off in the playoffs. I think Atlanta's going to be a very, very interesting and compelling team in the Eastern Conference. I think another team that is somebody to pay attention to in the Eastern Conference that could cause some noise. I think the Knicks are interesting. I don't think the Knicks are quite there yet as far as you know making it to the NBA Finals or being a threat to make it to the NBA Finals. But I think the Knicks are interesting is because anything that's coming out of New York is going to drum some noise as far as NBA media circles. So the Knicks are somebody to pay attention to. But I think think the Eastern Conference is going to be a dogfight. I really do. In the Western Conference, the West is interesting. I have the Lakers, but I'm not 100% confident that they're going to be a lock to come out of the Western Conference. I like their, I know a lot of people have made a lot of jokes about the age of the players of the Lakers roster, but if you look at the talent level, regardless of the age, if you look at the talent level, they're good enough to come out of the West. I think the West is going to be rough. Uh, Denver Healthy is a dangerous, dangerous opportunity position. I think Denver can, not just the Lakers, Phoenix, and anybody else, I think Denver healthy can give anybody a run for their money. They weren't healthy last year, and that's really what tripped them up. If Denver's healthy, I think Denver's a tough out. Phoenix is going to be in the mix of things. We saw the, not the emergence of Devin Booker, but Devin Booker really get put on a national stage, and he showed what NBA fans have known for the past six years, that Devin Booker is a bucket, but his defense also stepped up and took it to another level. So I think that Phoenix is going to be in the mix. This DeAndre Aiden contract situation is going to be interesting to see how the Suns handle that going forward. Uh, Chris Paul is Chris Paul, but he is a year older and Chris Paul is injury prone. So you know that you're going to be without Chris Paul at some point in the season. I mean, let's be honest. He was hurt in the playoffs. He just found a way to play through some of those injuries. Like he he gets hurt. That's what he does. So hopefully those injuries with Chris Paul doesn't affect Phoenix too much. I think as the Utah Jazz, we just mentioned help with the Denver Nuggets. Utah, and we saw what injuries did to them. Mike Connolly being hurt at the end of the season and then trying to you know, find his way in the playoffs, totally hurt that team and totally messed up the rhythm and the chemistry that they had uh, going into the playoffs. They were the number one seed going into the playoffs last year. And without Conley there, that affected everything. So if Utah is healthy, I think Utah can 
be a dangerous team in the Western Conference. The West, even more so than the East, I think the West is really going to be a dogfight. And you're going to see, especially when that second round kicks in, you're going to see high-level basketball. Um, you know, I talked about the Lakers earlier. I, I thought that they would make it out of the West. But when I think about some of those other teams in the West, Utah is interesting, you know, to see how they will um, adjust to having to probably do a little bit more with playing Conley off the ball. You know, Donovan Mitchell is going to have to take another step for them defensively, I think, for them to to reach their potential as a, as a team and as a championship contender. I think that, you know, Golden State, how they looked, how they closed the year, um, getting Klay Thompson back at some point this year, and what that does for them, I think that probably puts them in the middle of the pack in the West as far as the playoffs are concerned. But, you know, that's a team that they have a lot of flexibility, not only with young assets, but with contracts on that team where they can go get a veteran that can put them, you know, over the top, you know, and it wouldn't, they'd be able to match the salaries without much of an issue. So I think the, to me, the West, I agree with you. The Lakers should be favored, but it's not like a slam dunk. And I, and I feel the same way in the East. I mean, even if Kyrie was fully vaccinated and we thought that he was going to be there with Brooklyn, I do think Brooklyn would be the favorite and they would be a team that would say, oh yeah, they should come out of the East. But I wouldn't think that that was a slam dunk either. I think everybody just kind of coordinating Brooklyn as, you know, the probably the most dominant team that we would have ever seen coming out of the East if they were 100%. I think that downgrades everything else is out there. You know, like this is a very balanced league right now. And if you're a favorite, if you're considered to be top three, you know, there's there's more flexibility between the top three to four seeds in each conference than we've ever seen before. So I think that, you know, the teams that are in the mix and are at the top of that that food chain, they're going to be very aware of what's going on with their rosters because if they have to, you know, make some moves to tinker and add different things, they will be because it's going to be an arms race. I mean, these teams are going to all try to get an advantage over each other. There's very few teams that are going into the season this year knowing that they just don't have a chance to even make a playoff or a play-in spot, um, you know, and, and those are the teams that are hoarding draft picks. But for the most part, the majority of the league feels like they can at least take a step forward, whatever that is for them. For for some teams, that would just be increasing their win total by 10 or 5, some to get to the play-in, some to actually get into the playoff. But seems like most teams in the league right now feel as if this should be a year of progress. And we know it's not going to work that way. There's going to be some teams that disappoint. There's going to be some teams that overachieve. But it's a much different mentality when you go into a season thinking that you can be better than you were the year before than the opposite. I didn't mention Golden State because I'm not sure of the health status of Klay Thompson. I know a lot of people are excited about their two draft picks. I know a lot of people are excited about some of the free agent additions. Um, A lot was being made about Otto Porter, why they have better shooting than they ever have, which was very strange coming from a Golden State beat writer, which is (laughs) odd. Um, But Golden State is interesting because, you know, they were the juggernaut for about five, six years in the NBA and injuries have derailed them. And, you know, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. But as he's shown over the past couple of seasons, he's getting older. But he, you know, he needs Klay Thompson. He needs help. He needs guys that can do stuff. He can't just go out there and score 40 points a game. So Golden State is interesting. I don't think they'll be in the mix. But if they can get any resemblance of Klay Thompson, he doesn't have to be Klay Thompson from 2016, but any 
any resemblance of the Clay Thompson we know, then yeah, they'll they'll be back in the they'll be back in the fire. Yeah, I don't want to you know get into theoretical traits with Golden State, uh, but if you just look at their situation, if Clay Thompson comes back like you said, and he's at least still a threat to kill you from the outside and. You know, you see Steph can still play at an MVP level. And I think that the more help he gets, it's just like with any guy who gets to be mid-30s or close to it or older, where you can still have your flashes, you can still play consistently great throughout a year. You just need a little bit more help throughout a game. You know, that's why I still feel like LeBron James, you give him enough help. He's still arguably the best player in the league if he doesn't have to be Superman for 48 minutes a night, or at least for every minute that he's on the court, just let somebody else do some stuff. And I think that with Golden State, Clay coming back and what he is is going to matter. But if we do get into the thing where they've proven that they can play, they've proven that they're back amongst the upper echelon, and that's just based off of what they're getting from Clay, Draymond, and Steph. Also, let's just say maybe it is some of those bench players that wouldn't necessarily be trade assets are their form, and Wiggins proves to be a guy who continues to get better defensively. The Wiggins contract and the mixture of Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody, and some they have a few other young players as well that will get them a player that can help put them over the top. I don't think they're going to rush into it because they want to see what they have in Clay when he comes back, but it's a very interesting option to have in their back pocket if they feel like they're back to looking like the old Warriors. Now, this wouldn't be the NBA without the drama, without the storylines, without the messy stuff that happens throughout the NBA seasons. I don't know why the NBA has turned into a soap opera. So what are some of the storylines we should pay attention to throughout this upcoming NBA season? Well, I think the main one, you know, we've talked about it a lot is the Ben Simmons thing in Philadelphia. Um, You know, will he be there for the whole season? Will he not? You know, what's the relationship going to be like with his teammates and his coach? Um, I think that the Damian Lillard situation in Portland's another one to monitor. Uh, Chauncey Billups is coming out and saying that Lillard is way better than Steph Curry and, you know, some other stuff. And, you know, they're trying to now wrap their arms around him and show him love. And I don't think that he's not feeling the love. I think he just wants them to get better. So, you know, I think that on paper, the Portland roster is interesting. They got better defensively and I think that they're going to be a solid playoff team, but is that going to be good enough for Dame to just say I'm all in or does he still get to a point in the year where he says he wants to be out? Um, You know, a lot of thought also around the Clippers and if they know for sure Kawhi is not coming back and if they're just kind of treading water, there's talk about them possibly being a seller, which means there might be some, some good players, some good veteran players that are rotation guys for them that can go elsewhere, that can impact the trade market and, and how the playoffs are going to look. I think the Russell Westbrook fit in L.A., That's going to be a storyline because him coming home, it's a great story until you get on the court. And if it doesn't fit, seeing that Russ has bounced around a little bit the last couple of years, you know, it just kind of feeds into the narrative of those that don't like him. And he's already a very polarizing figure, as is LeBron James. I would also keep an eye on what's going on with Brooklyn. You know, the the Kyrie Irving thing, but not just that, just contract extensions and the the mix of having so many big personalities and great players on one team and how that goes and, you know, how they handle adversity and controversy and all the other things that surround being a traveling, you know, band of of superstars. So I think the league, like you said, it's going to be plenty of drama and storylines to look at Um, overall. It's going to be a lot of great play on the court, which is going to then in turn make sure that the drama doesn't overshadow what's going on as far as the the, the actual quality of play. 
as you highlighted, the Lakers are very interesting storyline wise. Is the Russell Westbrook situation going to work? I also think another thing that's not being highlighted as much that kind of got a little traction last year was the Anthony Davis situation. Uh, you kind of saw a little resentment from Laker fans last year about his injuries. You know, is he doing the right type of training? Is he doing the right type of diet? And if the Lakers have an early playoff exit or if Anthony Davis, you know, gets injured for any significant amount of time, You may see L.A., the fan base, Laker Nation, start to turn on Davis a little bit. So I think that's something also to pay attention to, along with is the Westbrook situation going to work? As you said, Brooklyn is going to be interesting. Uh, They were built to win right now. They were not built to win in 10 years or five years. They were built to win right now. And not having Kyrie there, are they going to lose in the second round again. Brooklyn has a lot of pressure on them, a whole lot of pressure. And they are in that New York media ethos system. So that is a pressure cooker in itself. So we'll see how Brooklyn handles that situation. And can they deal with all the expectations that are put upon them? Because if they have another disappointing season or if they have an early playoff exit or if they get knocked out, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals or they don't win a championship, it's going to be a major disappointment. And We'll see what happens with Brooklyn. I think another interesting situation is to see what happens with Damian Lillard. Look, at one point, it looked like he was going to be traded to the Lakers. You know, that never materialized. He's still a Portland trailblazer. But if things don't go well, if they have another early first round playoff exit, if things don't click with him and Chauncey, what happens with Damian Lillard? Is he going to try to force his way out of Portland? I think that's a storyline to pay attention to. Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. I will say this again. I don't know know if Ben Simmons understands what he's going to deal with on a nightly basis dealing with that Philadelphia crowd. They have a target now. They're going to blame him for the Eagles issues. They're going to blame him for the Phillies issues. They're going to blame him for the Sixers issues. They have somebody to boo now. So I hope he's prepared for that. And can the Sixers deal with that type of distraction? I know Doc Rivers will be fine, but can the rest of the team, you know, deal with with that type of distraction on the roster and how long is that? Can they make it work even though they don't like each other and even though there's dissension in the team? So I think those are really kind of the big four to pay attention to as far as storylines. But look, there's a lot of other interesting stuff. We got Brad Stevens taking over for Danny Ainge. What happens with the Celtics? There's a lot of interesting storylines in the NBA this offseason and going into the season. There's a lot of teams where they might be quicker to pull the trigger if things don't go their way within the first month, month and a half of the season as well. So, yeah, man, it's going to be a lot to keep an eye on and keep track of, but I can't wait. Season's going to be here this time next week. The regular season would have already started. And that concludes this special NBA preview episode. So, KJ, is there anything that we miss? Is there anything that we didn't talk about? Is there somebody or an organization you like to trash before we close? Nobody I want to trash, but I do want to say Lakers and Six. Uh, the propaganda begins. Lakers and Six. It's going to work out with Russell Westbrook. Carmelo Anthony's going to find the version of himself when he was hoodie mellow. Um, you know, Kent Bazemore is going to be the, the Kent Bazemore that everybody's been hoping is going to be, you know, a two-way threat for a long time. Wayne Ellington's going to feel like he's back at North Carolina, just hitting the threes. Um, you know, I can't let you slide with that Wayne Ellington comment. I, I, <laughs> I was like, all right, I can get with you with the mellow. Maybe the Kim Bays more. The Wayne Ellington, man, that's that's a that's a reach deep, deep in the water. Kendrick Nunn is going to be spectacular. I like you Kendrick know? Nunn. 
Actually, I like him a lot. Malik Monk is going to, you know, he he grew up a big Russell Westbrook fan. So that Westbrook-ism is going to rub off on him and, and he's going to be great. You know, DeAndre Jordan's going to be so happy to be back in L.A. He's going to be actually jumping for rebounds again. And him and Dwight are going to feel, oh, it's going to be beautiful, man. I, I wish can't we wait. Could, like, I wish we could post a video on the podcast to show my facial expressions right now. <laughs> this is a hard. Lakers and six, baby. I give you credit, man. That that's a hard sell, brother. Because some of the stuff you were saying, I'm like, man, what is this dude talking about? Lakers in six, and don't forget about Austin Reeves, the rookie. He's a gunner. He's gonna be out there shooting and knocking down shots. Tht is gonna come back, and it's gonna be okay. Like we're gonna miss Tht, but you know he's he's gonna be a guy that he's he's a key part of the future of the franchise only 20 years old so he's gonna be another one man we're gonna miss caruso you know we miss caruso but rondo is back rondo is back it was fine man lakers and six brooklyn's gonna be the only team to give us a little bit of resistance we're running through the west ladies and gentlemen these are the text messages that i receive on a normal basis (laughs) you just don't hear them on the podcast but these are the normal messages i respond to and try to navigate through listen man i'm not gonna sit here and be diplomatic shooter is gone so, you know, let him go be what he's going to be in Boston. Drummond is gone. He's in Philadelphia, you know, in the middle of that circus. It's just, it's vibes, man. The vibes are back. That's what I'm saying. The vibes are back. This is wonderful. It's amazing. And I love it. The Lakers are going to win the championship in six. The UCLA Bruins are going to win a national championship this year in basketball. You know, my Cowboys might oh, win the Lord. Super Bowl. Like, this, this is just amazing. Abs- and the Dodgers might win the World Series. I'm going to be a noxious to deal with okay all right the dodgers may win the world series that's still in play but i'm not editing this out because i want this as record <laughs> so when these things don't materialize you do not gain convenient amnesia and i haven't been drinking either so i'm saying this on the record this is in the middle of the day this is in the afternoon so he is not drinking he's not lying to you but man that is there's a lot of cap in a lot of things you said i'm not going to point Let's out which go! one but Ladies and gentlemen, and if there's nothing else, I will talk to you throughout this NBA season. Let's go. Lakers in six.